Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. My name is Caitlin Legreas, and I'm the founder of Be Her Village. Be Her Village is an online gift registry for what moms really need, support, not stuff. We're talking to providers and people who care for moms in their pregnancy, their birth, their postpartum. We're talking to real moms and hearing their stories and really just getting into all the good stuff that comes along with new parenthood. So check us out, tune in, and let us know what you think. So you have five kids. Can you tell me how old they are? So our oldest daughter is 13, uh, and then we have a boy who is 11, another girl who is seven, another girl who is four, and then a little boy who is two. Wow, that's amazing. So I would love, our community is, you know, birthing people, growing families, and people, professionals who support them. And I think on our podcast, we often have the perspective of the birth workers and what they're going through. And in, you know, on our platforms, we're often talking to birthing people and connecting with them. But I think that the partner and the husband and the dad role is really unique and really interesting. Um, I'll preface this conversation by saying that I became a doula after giving birth twice myself. Mm -hmm. And right, it was my at my first birth, I remember thinking, Oh, my goodness, this is so much harder to be watching the birthing person than to be the birthing person, which might sound crazy, because, you know, it's obviously not the easiest thing in the world to give birth. But it was when I was giving birth, I had all the information about what was happening. And when I was a doula, I had to get a feel for what was happening through nonverbal cues and <laughs> through signs and that sort of thing. So I would love if you can kind of like transport yourself back to that first time before you were a dad of five or four or three or two, or even one really, what was it like um, during pregnancy? How were you feeling about the upcoming birth of your first child? Great question. So I think, I mean, you do not know what to expect until you are there. And I do not remember the pregnancy or leading up to that being, uh, I mean, again, I'm speaking from my perspective, but from my wife's perspective, it didn't seem like it was too challenging. It was everything sort of seemed normal. And uh, I do remember, you know, it the challenge of planning around that. And so you didn't really know when the baby was coming. And, you know, you, again, leading up to that all seemed straightforward. I remember the first one was a long amount of laboring, I think 18 hours of laboring. And again, with your first one, you have nothing to compare it to either her eye. My wife did feel that she could go without uh, taking the um, epidural probably a little longer than she wished. I can do this, no problem. I don't need anything. And then by the time she decided she did, we realized it was not snap your fingers, boom, here comes somebody to take care of that. So there was a, you know, you, you put your ticket in and you wait for someone to be available to come help you. So, you know, I remember it being long. Um, and I remember from my perspective, you know, just not, what do you expect, right? I mean, you're not, you're not seeing this, you're not used to it. You could be a little squeamish, um, you know, a uh, typical guy, I'm like, you know, can I plan this around my dinner? I'm kind of hungry. And <laughs> It wasn't until after the baby came that I think we really recognized the change. Our, our first one had some reflux. And I do very much remember, you know, after being in hospital for a day or two, being back home, 
pacing around holding this new little baby who was crying and she was born in early December. So it's kind of, you know, kind of dark out, you know, days are shorter, uh, colder, and she was not settling down. And I remember that first night of just walking around her crying and thinking, Oh my goodness, what have we got? I mean, this is like, Whoa. And it, that was probably the toughest night in all parenting from my perspective, like from a most sleepless night. After that, you know, you got into your rhythm and um, I went to Target and bought every kind of swing and gear I could find. And we, we found what worked for her, you know, and you just, you find your, your groove. But that was, yeah, that one, that, that was an impression on me because you're, you're living a different world now. Yes, it's all completely different. And I love that you just kind of, I think there's this universal feeling of what have we done? You kind of nailed it. Some people it's, I want to go back. Some people it's, I regret this baby, you know, even if it's momentary, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think it's fairly universal and not spoken about of just how jarring it can be to welcome this tiny little adorable human into your life and then not be able to sleep ever again. Or so it feels at 4am on that first night home. <laughs> correct. Correct. It, 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 that was sort of the benchmark by which all future children was sort of set by because our second was quite the opposite. He was super laid back and, you know, to the point of like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, I mean, he's just chill as a cucumber or sleeping and like, wow, this is not like what we're used to. And so the playbook changes each time. And as I'm sure, you know, and anyone else who's been down that path listening knows and I, I did not approach, you know, I did not, I don't ever remember, my wife is probably different about this thinking, you know, I'm going to definitely have kids or this is how many, I, I don't remember personally feeling that way. I was, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I was sort of like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm the oldest of four. So I, I had younger siblings. I, my youngest brother is 15 years younger than me. So I definitely remember, uh, you know, what that was like, it wasn't my child, but I remember, you know, holding him at the supermarket while my mother was checking out and somebody thought he was mine. And that was mortifying. Um, so I, I, I know I've been around kids a little, but I don't remember me saying, you know, this is how many I'm going to have, or definitely having kids or definitely not having kids, which is, you know, some people are very strong on those feelings, uh, including uh, some of my own siblings. Um, and I don't remember, my wife was definitely having kids, you know, in that camp. And I was just, I'm going to just, you know, see where life takes me. And, you know, neither one of us probably thought it would take us to five. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) you feel like when you were having any of the five babies that you uh, were preparing, were you like taking a childbirth class? Was your wife mainly taking care of that? Like, what was your role during the pregnancy? um, We took, we did take a childbirthing class for the first one, um, which I think many people do. I remember, going to the classes and learning, uh, I think it's been a while, but I'm trying to remember, you know, the basics I think of leading up to that. And I don't, I don't think it necessarily fit into like child safety, but I feel maybe there was some of that, right. Newborn baby. I mean, certainly we had some, you know, a couple choking scares over the years, like many parents did and how to, you know, really cut that, that food up. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I have trying to remember about is, was there a time of feeling, you know, maybe a little jealous of the attention, right? I mean, mom just had a baby. Uh, my wife was pretty good with um, not not having a lot of really postpartum. I mean, physically needing to heal, but she 
bounce back pretty quickly with all of them. Of course, when you have more, there's a challenge of someone who's going to care for those. Um, I do remember the first one thinking, we can let her cry it out. Well, there's no one to wake up. But when you get others to bed, you do really want to play that game. And you're older and you're more tired. And you're like, all right, no, maybe we'll just get him, him or her. Yeah. But I, I do, I'm trying to, you know, we didn't have a lot of tons of family support either the way some folks might. So it was really pretty much us. And, you know, we were, we were figuring it out, we, you know, um, you know, there's the balance of, of work for people. And, and my wife worked part-time for a while and then eventually was full-time stay-at-home mom and I work from home. So um, we had a fair amount of ability to be hands on deck Right. Um, what was it? Um, what was, I just want to go back to what you touched sure, on. Sure. Really important is that feeling of jealousy because it can feel wild to be jealous of a tiny little newborn who's yours that you love. Yep. <laughs> and yet it still is really valid. And I think it happens for a lot of us or a lot of partners anyway, because as much as we can be in this like egalitarian, you know, pro-feminism sort of uh, uh, society, or at least, you know, personally within our relationships, there's something very unequal about the division of labor with newborns because newborns require so much of their mothers. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Like what that looks like yep. and, and how you it, dealt with it? It definitely, I mean, you definitely can see that uh, as a, as a, as a the dad. Um I don't personally remember feeling jealous or resentful, uh, but I also definitely did not feel as bonded or connected to any of them for, for a period, which I, you know, in reading and believing and talking to them, you know, I felt pretty normal about it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't lose sleep over it. It just, you know, my wife nursed them all. Um, and so I think that was a bond and a connection and obviously birthed them. Um, you know, no matter what people's viewpoints are these days, that this, some of that stuff just is the way it is and you know if it's in, i remember the good six months or so it seems like it's the baby you know the needs are feeding sleeping clothing and honestly doesn't they don't really excite me and i remember talking to one dad at one point it was sort of like that you know some point they start looking at you and becoming more engaging and as a parent or as a dad you might get a little more engaged with them and i i feel that even even now with all of them, it was just took a while to get there. And I, I didn't put any pressure on myself or anything. I just accepted that was how it was. And, and, but I do remember thinking, you know, I'm not too uh, attached may not be the right word, but uh, bonded, I guess, um, as, as much as my wife was right from day one, um, probably even sooner having, you know, been the one to carry them. Um, I think acknowledging that and being okay with that makes you feel like, you feel better about like, oh my goodness, is this wrong? Is this normal? Um, it could be up to a year, you know, whatever. It's a kid hits here. I'll just, you know, do whatever my part is and, uh, you know, keep them alive. And, <laughs> and, you know, and eventually they get personalities and become little people and talk. And then, then, you know, you start to see, you know, maybe you have some, in, you know, depending on what their little sparks are. And, and then my wife has also commented at about two years old, there's a, a pivot by which they, uh, become sometimes more focused on dad you know mom is old news or i or i'm no longer nursing and needing mom for that life survival piece and 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 she's i think you know outwardly commented oh geez now they're all about dad you know and it, that was the same with the boys and the girls it wasn't a gender thing it's just oh wow you know following dad all around um and that was a shift 
-hmm. not that one that I encourage or discourage. It just, just happened that like they discover, oh, there's someone else here, another adult uh, who's got some cool things or things to do, you know, let me, let me check them out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so my experience when I was having my third, which was my max level, it sounds like five <laughs> might be your max, but who knows? Yes, um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, you think you found it. You found your limit. Um, was that people like friends, family members, and even my medical team kind of treated me like, oh, this is your third time around. You know what you're doing. And internally, my experience wasn't that. Internally, I was pregnant with a brand new baby and I was a whole new person. Every, every time I got pregnant, I was significantly different just emotionally, you know, than I was every other time. So I wonder what that was like for you? Did you feel like it was old hat at a certain point or does it bring up whole brand new worries, whole brand new feelings each time? So a little, uh, some more of the backstory. So we had two second trimester losses in between baby number two and number three. So when that, and those, and I think there might've been a miscarriage in the mix there as well. So after those things definitely changed because I think, you know, by the book, my wife was considered high risk and it changed our uh, venue. The first two were born at the, the local hospital with, with no complications, but after having been through those losses and that, you know, being a bystander to that process is definitely a wild ride because you're not really tuned in for what that's like and again you may not have had the bonding in the same experience and meanwhile you still got two other kids um mm. that needs so there's it, it's and you're different people right you you handle grief and things in different ways so after that you know we um needed to go to a more high risk place we had some people say you can't have kids or you shouldn't or the risk is high and there wasn't really someone could say here's what happened right avoid this or don't do this or it'll absolutely happen again or it won't that was never really cut and dry so i think that created a, a lot more worry and stress for my wife um, we went to boston for baby number three and four which was a good hour and a half drive with no traffic um so that that changed the process leading up to it and you know higher level of care um and obviously the logistics of that and and there was some um post-delivery complications with number three my wife had a like a like a clot i guess and was losing blood pretty quickly so you know all those things sort of carried over so i don't think it felt like old hat every time at all uh, for either of us because we had seen the potential things that could happen both leading up to delivery and even right after delivery um you know number five because of insurance reasons we couldn't go back to boston so number uh five was delivered up at uh, dartmouth hanover um, which may not matter for people the geography but that, that was about an hour and 15 distance from home as well for us no traffic which made that an easier drive but still not around the corner um and number five came out perfectly fine all piece of cake no problem um and so it just really was but you you still don't know that until it's happened and mm. you've um so no it definitely wasn't old hat um and i don't think because we changed up you know medical team a bit i don't think anyone treated it that way um which is probably the right thing and it's just we we probably learned more through each time especially where things didn't go right we we tried to understand that better and i think the, the medical professionals were more in tune to okay here's 
you know, you had more notes, your file got bigger. Um, and, and so your, your physiology was what it was. That was the known entity. Um, so I think we became more educated and I think we certainly as parents, you know, a little more what to expect. They're all different. Yes. But there are some things you've seen, you, you know, that piece, you know, once they're home and you're, you know, okay, you know what jaundice looks like. You, you kind of know how to react to certain cries and, um, that part definitely, I don't want to maybe say completely old hat, but you know, once, once they're here and they're out and everyone's healthy. Yes. I think you, you definitely have more confidence there. Uh, right. It sounds a, like the parenting side of things feels easier, but yes. the birth pregnancy, not so much. Yes. That, that still was a wild card. Um, yeah. And I think it would always be because, you know, it's, it's, there's no one's doing a ton of them. So, you know, there, and there's variables, right? You're, you're older, uh, you know, things are different and just, there's just some things they don't know about. And that's just, you know, how it is. Yeah. And there's, and there's complications that can happen or variables that happen that have nothing to do with age or number of pregnancies. And it's sometimes you just have bad luck or yes. you know, like yes. it's not necessarily a thing you can plan or, or like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, my my wife was very nervous about changing uh, doctors, um, but you know, you know, now in the end, said so the the number five that experience was probably, if not the best, one of the best. And so, you know, she, you know, personality maybe a little more anxious, and again, maybe that's because she's the one carrying or just who she is. Um, I, I've tried not to sweat the things I can't control, um, and I've tried to just, you know, not not waste a good worry, as they say. Uh, there's things, as you said, you can't control, but you can't do anything about. And having been through some outcomes that we had no, you know, that we couldn't control that set that in place. And I guess, you know, we were lucky to be people who did not have challenges conceiving, but I can only imagine people that have challenges there and have, you know, make investments of time, money, stress, emotion, and then to have things go perhaps sideways, uh, that must only amplify it. So, you know, we were, we're lucky that that part uh, didn't seem to be a challenge so much to the other extreme. Uh, perhaps that's how five came to be, but. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I want to just kind of shift gears away from the birth experiences. And I really appreciate you speaking about that so candidly. What was it like or what is it like in terms of your relationship between you and your wife? Because you've said already a few times that maybe she was higher anxiety because of personality or because of just the situation. And, and even in those losses, I, I think as I heard you say second trimester losses, I'm, I'm thinking from a partner perspective who maybe not is not feeling connected to the pregnancy just by nature of it's not your body. It's not you feeling, you know, movements, that sort of thing. What does it look like to navigate the grief? What does it look like to navigate your whole relationship with each other? How are you guys staying connected to each other? And, and where are you feeling pressure to support or what does that look like from your end? There's no doubt in my opinion that, you know, sometimes a person's relationship could very easily take a backseat to uh, the child or children uh, and, and it's a relationship that I think has to, like any relationship, you need to nurture and, and you know, water like a plant. I mean, it's got to, the effort's got to be put there. And I think, you know, I remember, you know, meeting a, a another um, business person years ago, older than me, but he had, you know, Friday date nights with his wife. And I don't remember how many kids he had, but he probably had three or so. Um, and and they, they made a point to do that. And I, 
I was, you know, I don't think I was married at the time when I met him, but I thought that's really cool because my parents didn't, you know, make that, uh, that kind of time and, and whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever it is, but, you know, or even taking a daily walk, whatever it is. Um, I think you need to make that investment because I think it's easy to get caught up in everything else, kids, the work, I mean, all the other things that go on. And there's no question that, you know, these little people need time and attention. And as they get older, as, as you know, and others know that, you know, the activities and schools and shuttling and driving. And so, you know, we, we, I think the pandemic time helped our family and when we were able to, my wife and I will take more, you know, we started taking walks regularly where, because life slowed down a little and there was, let's go for a walk. And the kids are all here. <laughs> yeah. So we get out and take a break. Right. Um, and you know, simple, something simple as walking just gave us time. Cause how do you talk about the kids when they're right here all the time? You know, um, especially when we're, you know, we're now encroaching into the teenage years, um, which, you know, the oldest, unfortunate, unfair for her, she's paving the way because every year she hits is a year we haven't had a kid. So we haven't learned that aspect of it yet. So you're she's very kinda, much a first time parent yeah, again. With yeah. She's time. learning with us. And, and I, and I, you know, sorry for her that, you know, we might, not have it all figured out by the last one we we may but, um but you know grateful that she's an age she can watch the little ones some so we could go out and take a half hour walk and not worry that you know time it around nap times and things but just those little investments um and just just as simple as talking right i mean because you couldn't you couldn't go out to restaurants you couldn't do in the logistics of finding babysitters pre-pandemic became a challenge because there was you know we, we would joke for 10 years, we always kind of had a little one or somebody in diapers. And um, you just didn't always feel comfortable leaving that with, you know, an iPod wearing teenager. Because uh, uh, we, we, we had not been, uh, we not experienced daycare. So we had not, as parents, experienced, and not to say it's good or bad, but just hadn't experienced, you know, leaving them. So, you know, it was really kind of a very short list of who was trusted for that, um, you know, amongst, um, you know, primarily my wife's parents who were, you know, half hour away. Um, but, you know, you don't want to always lean on them for everything. And, uh, you know, one, one small group of folks. So those walks, I think, Bart, and you're, the, you know, the, the proverbial two ships uh, in the wind. And uh, even though we were here all the time, just because you physically see someone, I think you have to talk, whatever that may be, you know, whether it's over a meal or something, but just sitting on the couch with your phones may not be quite the same as actual, you know, talk, talking you know what's on that person's mind the other person's mind you know your, your your worries your thoughts your feelings and it's you know how's the day going and you know just those check-ins moments I think are very important um that people may not always think um of them are and, and I you know I wouldn't say that you know we've got it all figured out by any means any more than anyone else but I think you've got to uh make those investments you know in that really time beautiful. that's very beautiful because I think that, like it can feel like it has to be something fancy you know a big planned date night or you know and it's like I don't know sometimes it's just eye contact <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'll look at my husband and be like oh I haven't looked at you because you're so busy <laughs> looking after your little ones and looking at your phone and looking at work and then it's like oh hi there you are <laughs> yeah those little things I think have you know just you know you know however one's division of labor is or, or just doing that extra you know, peace, you know, being aware, you know, which is not always, uh, sec 
uh, you know, always makes sense for all of it or under it is easy for us to be, we, I think humans, we tend to get sometimes in our own individual space, especially if it's a external thing like work or something else driving for us. We don't always see the other person perhaps uh, and what they might be feeling or see that they're having a stressful day. And, uh, you know, I know I could do better uh, about some of those little things. I'm, I'm not a person who always uh, verbalizes my love language might be more more gifts or more actions than it would be saying it but you know whatever that is for somebody but acknowledging those things um i think you, you got to do it and because I, I i can see how it can feel a little awkward if you haven't for a while or if you not, not necessarily have given up but you 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 slip into a space where it's just again roommate model mm-hmm. um you know here we are co-parenting and, and so it I don't, I don't think we want to go down the whole path of relationship uh, counseling and advice, but it's, it's obviously, you know, with little ones running around they you know, it's takes some time and you, you've got to, I don't think they need all the time either. And I, I could see how that can happen. Uh, one parent or both parents, hundred percent about the kids, right. You know, whatever they need, whatever they want. I don't personally feel they need hundred percent of it. We are individuals. We are a relationship, you know, and in many cases, you know, we, the, the, the couple came first mm-hmm. uh, and we'll still be there after the kids have long since moved out. So what do you want that to look like? Uh, yeah. uh, it's, probably- I love that you said like becoming roommates, because I think there's this fine line between your love maturing. So I'm married 10 years this mm-hmm. Friday. Oh, congrats. Like, thank you. Blink of an eye. I just <laughs> kind of can't believe it. We're the couple that realizes like the day after oh it was our anniversary yesterday so this one there's like some lead up to it like oh wow this is this is huge I can't believe it's been 10 years yeah 10 is a big one it is it feels big I'm I'm proud of myself (laughs) and I just there it's totally different from when we got married because the love is different it's deeper so much deeper but it's less butterflies you know it's it's like so, but I can see it, this kind of love, this like more mature love is, I could see it slipping into roommate. I could see if there isn't that effort, if there isn't that hand touch, if there isn't that little peck on the cheek or that little thoughtful thing or that walk alone without the kids, how it slips into like, we're just co-parenting and we're coexisting and we're mm-hmm. dividing up who, who does the laundry and who does this and who's making the phone call and and it can really slip into somewhere more friendly than romantic yeah and and I can I I've seen like a few different people I know get divorced and it's not it's not contentious necessarily there's just this like hmm, if there's this flatness to it whether it's our career, our own interests and things that sometimes can inadvertently get put on the shelf are still there, right? I mean, we, we were once a party of one <laughs> and we had hopes, dreams, goals, things that we wanted to do and we like to do. And I, I feel like, you know, the balance goes away sometimes or it can very easily go away. Um, not only, you know, a couple things that you do together, but things you do individually, um, hobbies, interests, goals, going back to school, pursuing a you know, again, finding that balance and how that works is a, pr- a tricky path for everyone. Um, because it sometimes clearly we've seen people that are, are completely focused on their career or something else. And, and that's shifted maybe the other way too far. Um, yeah, it's a constant pendulum swing. It feels it like. is, it is. You can't give 100% attention to anything. No, nope. 
all the time. It's, I think I heard, I don't know who said this, but like, it's like juggling a bunch of balls and you just have to know which ones are the glass balls and which ones are the plastic balls. Yeah, and you may not know until they fall, right? Until they fall and they might shift too. Like sometimes this is a glass ball and sometimes it shifts into plastic and it's kind of impossible. And it's, it's, you know, I, as, um, as, as, as the working, you know, the parent, uh, we're a single income household. Um, so I, I'm finding, you know, that, that, you know, we live in a world and we have for some time, especially with technology, a world driven by, you know, many dual income households and, and many, you know, as I'm, you know, at an age where there's other people that are younger than me now that don't have kids that, you know, can work 70 hours a week. And I don't want to do that, but that's the, where some of the bar is set especially in some tech related thing but many industries and there's part of me that feels you know that's not totally fair right if that person's output can be that and you know how awesome for them but i don't have or nor do i want to develop the amount of hours that person does so it's not apples to apples so it's like you have to work smarter not necessarily harder because you may not have as much time we all have 24 hours in a day but you know, some of my 24 hours are going to other things, uh, which is the balance that I, you know, fight to hang on to. But it's the same thing of like, how do you not uh, compete's not the right word, but you're, you know, w- if you're trying to do one income versus two, uh, for many people, uh, it is, it is tricky, right? You're feeling like you're making some sacrifices there, unless you can have one income that can match the two that you know, is a norm. And it's not that it's a rat race or keeping up with the Joneses, but, you know, we're all human. Um, and I'd, I'd be lying if, you know, you don't notice somebody in town driving, you know, a nice shiny car and like, oh, well, mine's got rust all over it, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and I mean, you know, it's because you're saving up for colleges or you're doing what is the responsible piece, but, you know, you, you're like, oh, that'd be nice, you know, take that vacation, right, you know, uh, but you need to buy seven airline tickets, so... <laughs> Where, where, where are you going to get to, you know? <laughs> uh, Maybe rent an RV. Yeah, rent, rent the RV and, you know, <laughs> it, it, so, you know, the, and that's a whole, you know, logistics of a large family uh, when it comes to vacationing and things. And I know I personally struggle with wanting to give my kids some things and opportunities that I didn't have as a kid, but you've got to be able to write a check for that and and do it responsibly, Um and do it in a way that doesn't jeopardize their education later. Right. Or your and your retirement later. and yeah. yeah. And all those other things. And, um, you know, that if we all have exact boat link and I wish I had an answer for it. No, you. there's no answer. It, it's yeah. just, you know, those are the things that I think we all, well, most of us probably wrestle with, um, as, as we walk that tightrope through life. Um, and again, I think you communicate that with your partner and those way on you and, that's part of that that walk or that uh, eye contact, as you mentioned, whatever that looks like for a person, but too easy to keep that in yourself. Yes. So if you had one piece of advice to partners, dads, to be men who are listening right now who don't have a baby yet, but either are going to have a baby or their partner is pregnant, what is your advice to dads to be? My advice is to hang in there for the long haul and not, not go in with expectations. I mean, you really do not, there's no way to predict uh, where it will take you. So I personally think, especially if you're, you know, if that's on the horizon within the next, you know, nine to 10 months, um, you know, maybe avoid big life plans and, and enjoy the moment. 
and just take it for what it is. It may be a bumpy road. It may be a smooth road. It may be some twists and turns. It may be textbook. Um, but it's a, that part is a short-term journey, but the journey after that, it becomes a lifelong journey of, of what parenthood looks like. And it's different for everyone. I, I think... I think striving to have find and maintain that balance and navigating that in the, the minefield of today's world and whatever tomorrow will be is, is the challenge. And that's the advice, maintain balance, you know, protect that family time. You can always get another job. You know, you can always, you know, uh, you know people say it goes by quick. I, I personally don't feel it's going by any faster than it actually is. <laughs> um, but I've often theorized if people uh, say that when, you know, they drop their kid off at six in the morning. I have an opinion, a fairly strong one about outsourcing parenting, um, which we don't have to go into, but I think you're going to have kids enjoy them, right? You know, if, whether it's just one, two, three, five, whatever it is, I think most kids would rather not have another family trip or a fancy car and just more time with mom and dad. That's it. More time, whatever that is. And, and, I'd like to think that's the best investment one could make in, in your children. But you, you, you should enjoy it too, right? I mean, it, it should be, but I'm not saying all your time, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, all that, but my advice is have, you know, strive to maintain balance, whatever that looks like. Everyone's situation is different. And I think if I could add to that, it would be maintain an outlet for someone to talk to about it. You know, um, certainly, once you're, you know, get the parent badge that gets you in the club with other moms and dads uh, all around the world, anywhere on the planet. And so, you know, it could be, could be a buddy, a coworker, somebody to go and have a beer with or uh, whoever it is. I mean, yeah, I think obviously your, your, your spouse or uh, co-parent um, is, is the obvious first person, but I think it's okay. I think you got to have other people, you got to have a network you got to have a support network just like everyone needs mm. parent or not. Right. But I think, you know, I, I don't know if there, you know, we still live in the world of the, the typical macho guy who doesn't talk about his feelings, but I, mean, I think anybody can be, you know, men or women, right. Keep it all in. You've got to talk to somebody because again, great. it's, it's a, it's a long distance run. It's a, it's a, it's not a sprint. So it's a marathon. I love that link. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. You're welcome. Very valuable. I love how vulnerable you were and everything you shared. I think it's really, I'm very glad we did this. I Great. Think be, I think Great. it's something that men specifically need to hear. Like it's okay to, to feel things and to feel all these big feelings. And I don't know, it's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing. That. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I think that there's like not nearly enough support for partners, specifically fathers. I think you guys get neglected a lot. And I think men in general forget fathers just are taught, you know, this toxic masculinity that you can't have feelings. It's feminine right. feelings. And, right. and then you have a whole bunch of men that are having emotional experiences with no outlet, no emotional literacy, and it comes out as aggression or violence or abandonment. Yep. You know, there's all these horrible yeah. results of just not acknowledging. So to hear you talk so beautifully about your experience and the things you struggled with and how it was actually fine. And, you know, like, I don't know, you have a very comforting and soothing energy to you. I think it's <laughs> going to be really beneficial. 